Hello, everybody, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Unopened Podcast. I'm your co-host, Arna Mistra, and today I am joined by my other co-host, William Gilmore. William, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Good. So, um, William, I see you got a new microphone. How's that working out for you? Ah, so good. It's This is its maiden voyage, so uh, hopefully yeah. it all works out fine. Hopefully it works out. Um, I mean, it's winter break. I think everybody's relaxing, having a good time going Christmas shopping. Oh, That's... yeah, that was unpleasant. Got stuck. Yeah, I feel like parents will always bait children by saying, oh, yeah, just 15 minutes, just need to get a quick present, and then we go to the mall, and then turns to um, a whole adventure in itself. But today, we actually are going to pick up where we left off. We took a couple of weeks of hiatus, but we're back. And today, we have a couple of things to discuss. Firstly, we're going to discuss, is being a billionaire ethical? Now, at first, you may have some snap judgments about this question, but as you dive down deeper and farther, we can uh, discuss the moralities of that question. And also, there was a really interesting article I saw by the um, Huffington Post, and it basically detailed why junk food tastes so good, and I really want to share that with you guys. So, let's start with, um, is being a billionaire morally righteous so william what, what what are your snap judgments with that snap judgment right off the box i suppose it's not necessarily righteous but it's not a bad thing either um i don't think being like if you were a billionaire i don't think that should be taken away but i don't think you know there's any moral imperative to become a billionaire because yeah. i i think people mix up this argument too much with um is the behavior of billionaires ethical? Because I think I agree with you. Being a billionaire in itself, there, there's there's nothing morally unrighteous by being a billionaire, but I think the acts of tax evasion or using your wealth to gain more wealth, I think that's where, where um, it becomes a little bit hazy and that's where it becomes a little bit unsure. I don't I believe building on wealth, um, even with a pre-established... Uh, beginning is always okay you're just trying to expand your wealth and the wealth of your family and whilst maybe not everyone is able to do that and not everyone can do that i still think it's more than acceptable i you don't once you become a billionaire you don't just stop doing what you've been trained to do yeah well i i I guess you do have a point there um because the thing with being billionaire is that you're at you're at a point where to build wealth or to build generational wealth you're just in a position to um be able to more conveniently i i would guess build your fortune but um the reason i I brought this up today and i'm not sure if you've seen this and please tell me if you have there's been a lot of outrage recently if you go on instagram stories or anything like that they, they always say that, oh, Jeff Bezos' net worth and, like, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, all these insanely rich people, if they use, like, 10% of their wealth, they could save, like, 40 million children starving and so-and-so. And while I do think they have a point, I, I just think that those outlandish claims are ridiculous. I, I mean, do you agree with them? Do you think they should sa- sacrifice their wealth? No, they've built more than any other individual human being could ever build. Uh, they've built, I don't think it's fair to take it away from them. And, um, whilst, uh, I, I, firstly, I don't think what they're saying is true. And I think later, um, yeah, they were saying something about this and, uh, 
uh, Elon Musk was like, if you can put together, uh, if you can put together a, like a list, a purchasing list. Um, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the money. That's not an issue. And immediately everybody quieted down. So if there was a plan, yeah, sure, why not? And I think there will be people that would do that. I, I think Elon Musk, if we're given like a proper plan, would do that. But he's not going to listen to some stupid journalist, stuff in the, like some stupid hyper woke journalist. Yeah, hyper woke. Uh, That's I'm I'm going to use that word more often. Um, hyper woke. But yeah. ultimately, it's the billionaire's prerogative to do so because the person who's who's saying, "Oh, use your wealth." I mean, instead of doing whatever they're doing, how about you get up and build a fortune? Yeah. Billions yeah. of dollars. I mean, you you really don't have the right to say that. Yeah. Um. You know, it, it, we're in this stage where like we always ask for, we always want more wealth for ourselves. We all, but um, like with ideas like communism and socialism, you know, the idea that you just hand over your wealth for the greater good. Um, and this greater good idea is a fairly new idea in the history of the human species, but. Um, like, I, I suppose the question is, do, should you just inherently hand over everything you've worked so hard to build, especially to someone who might not deserve it as much? I mean, I suppose that's the question. Do you hand your fortune or a fraction of your fortune over to someone who's not going to work a day in their life? I mean, you gotta, you, you. I mean, venture capitalists put money where. Oh yes, they so believe, much money. <laughs> they yeah, they put in a lot of money into up and coming businesses, and businesses to be and to build businesses. So is it fair for? All right, well, we're just going to take this money and put it into this person's business, even though this person doesn't know how to run a business. You know? Yeah, it, definitely. You, you gotta. <laughs> You, you don't you can't just hand over your money it's not right yes i i completely agree with you because um obviously handing over money that's um nobody should ever be expected to do that but i think the most supportable um facet of this argument against like against the ideas of billionaires is the treatment of their employees because time and time again you see um, arguments happening that oh this man is worth hundreds of billions of dollars and and he's He's making his workers pee in a bottle, not even giving them proper time, like proper breaks, and um, he's just abusing his workforce like that. Yeah. So, do you, how do you, how do you think that should be addressed? The abuse and mistreatment of human beings will be addressed uh, just through continued exploration. But, um, like, it, if they're abusing people, it'll come to the surface. But, mm -hmm. um. I don't know. Just because a billionaire can abuse another human being doesn't, doesn't make, make it doesn't mean that they're going to or that it's wrong to be a billionaire. It just is what it is, you know. Um, and you know, I do agree that it's just it's a problem that um, they're yeah they they shouldn't be able to mistreat their workers, but you know. That, I think that'll naturally be um, come, that, that'll naturally come to the surface. Yeah, I mean, uh, like we're we're seeing all these insane reports of them working in like hundred degrees factories, and I, and I think that um, there's really no way to take 
a stance on that because at the same time they're not forcing them to work at that job but at the same time they're reliant on that job so technically they have no choice so i think it's quite difficult to take a stance and be able to support that because it's such an evenly um balanced debate in the sense because obviously morally it's wrong but in a capitalistic society i i, I don't think it's um i don't think it's because the way that society has been progressing especially in american society i i think we could have ex- expected this because uh expected this from a long time ago because in a sense we're regressing to like victorian eras when like insane work hours no working rights because a lot of times these Amazon and these big companies can take advantage of the fact on how reliant um, how reliant uh, these people are on the jobs. And that brings me to, have you heard of the um, tactics that Uber and like DoorDash, all these companies employed? Um, go ahead and explain them for the audience. Yeah, it was, I, I was just um, reading this. Well, let me confess, I was scrolling YouTube shorts, and that's where I found it. But um, oh, the the famous YouTube shorts. Yeah, well, I mean, they're 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 pretty addicting. They are, I, I'm not. Yeah, I pounded I mean, through a bunch of them uh, just the other day, and just like, oh yeah, there goes an hour. Um, I know, and, and you don't you don't you don't even feel it. But so this is what Uber basically did when they started the company. They had in, enough investments from investors because they knew that um uber and doordash this these companies would do good they would replace um they would replace taxis and they would be very efficient and make a lot of money so what uber did is that they offered their services for very cheap the drivers got paid a lot the tickets were cheap and uber was i believe actually taking a loss at one point in in doordash and all these other companies they, they copied that strategy and then they waited a couple of years, and eventually the world got dependent. They, they, they're, they're addicted to um, DoorDash and Uber. They're reliant on it. And they wiped out all other um, practical forms of transportation. And then they raised the price. They, they completely exploded on the price. And now the thing is that the, there's no way. They, people need to get home. They need to get to their jobs. What are they going to do? They have no choice but to pay or surge charge. And that at the same time made me like so bad but at the same time it's like kind of a grudging that's that's pretty smart i mean have you did you hear about this uh yes um uh yeah when you have a good idea uh and people become reliant on it um well uh that kind of throws a uh yeah yeah but um they they developed a monopoly um over this transportation market and um that's a firstly a hell of a feat but um Mm -hmm. yeah a good idea will cause that um and they've essentially monopolized a whole uh, society business is business but what i would say is people are going to become frustrated Uh, Mm -hmm. arnav didn't you say you were frustrated with the prices well, I, I'm not a user of Uber myself, but I imagine the frustrations of um, Uber users. But at the same time, I don't think this monopoly can last for either. It's going to last for years to come, uh, putting aside like crazy inventions, or I think that there might be competitors rising up unless Uber absorbs uh, many of their competitors. I think there might be... Um, some space yeah whenever there's injustice someone else will come up with something yes um, 
That, that's why we industrialized. That, that's why we do all these things. I think, um, yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to keep it or um, they're going to just continue doubling on it and just keep expanding. Uh, but I don't think they're going to be able to keep it because there will be a competitor. There will be another Uber that'll come out and make some big things. There oh will God, be that, someone else. That desire to go into like financial guru mode and like tell everybody to buy NFTs because like, <laughs> no, sorry. But, um, yeah, no, I think maybe the U.S. government might interfere, but the way that it's going, that, that's a problem because transportation is an extremely big industry because it's, it's oftentimes not, like, put side by side by, like, technology or food industries, but it's just as big. It's, it's making big, big, big bucks. So um, I, I think it has to be addressed. And it kind of reminds me of, um, William, I, I know we both learned this together, but it kind of reminds me of the opium wars. So oh, how about yeah. you explain this one? You take this one, William. Um, I don't know. I'd be easy on that. I don't think I did that well in the history final. But uh, the Opium Wars were... No, I did okay. But the Opium Wars were a part- particularly interest- interestingly time, interesting time where you would see this other... Uh, well, I wasn't prepared for this. Um, all right, all right, all right. No, I, you, you take I, over, take over. I'm like, I wasn't prepared. I was reading but, about. Uh, so the opium wars were basically where Britain was like a real piece of garbage, and uh, they wanted to trade with China and European countries, uh, Eastern Chinese countries, and they really, really wanted to. Um, uh, they wanted to trade with them, but the thing is, China did not want to trade with them because, like, I mean, like. Europe had, like, literally nothing China wanted besides, like, gravy um, and, like, stews. But, um, so they, they, they invented this uh, genius plan, really horrible thing. They grew a bunch of opium in India, which they controlled at the time. And then they illegally smuggled the opium into China, and they got the Chinese public hooked on opium, like, actually addicted and then um, the Chinese government was, it, it wasn't particularly strong that time. It wasn't too industrialized. Um, they got mad at the British Empire. And they're like, hey, you better stop this. You're um, destroying the lives of our public. And eventually that led into a war which China lost because they simply weren't um, industrialized enough to fight them. And um, that just led to um, Hong Kong being handed over to the British as kind of an award. So then the British and the Chinese resumed trading. And that's like kind of, you can see the similarities between that and Uber. I mean, there's like less death in general, but um, <laughs> at least I hope so. And drug addictions, dr- drugs, not good, but um, you can see the similarities. You can see that how uh, they got China reliant and then they China was at the mercy of the British Empire. And the beauty of that was obviously Britain could have gone in with its industrialized military and done so and so damage. But instead, they took, I'm not going to say the better route because I mean, drugs are bad, but they, they, they took the more efficient route, at least for them. And I think Uber, obviously, it's not modeling after them, but I think it's also pretty cunning what they're doing. Oh, most certainly. Um, it's, um, yeah, using uh, their own reliance against them, uh, it's f- fasc- it's fascinating. Um, and uh, yeah, having that much control over a foreign na- over a nation altogether is truly mind blowing. Um, and I suppose the modern question is, well, do you divide it up? Like, do you divide this monopoly? Like, 
Mm-hmm. And hold Definitely. Rockefeller Company, or uh, do or do you allow it to make, stay? And um, there's dangers with both of those. But um, yeah, because I think if you um, monopolies aren't good for, in my personal view, they're not good for the um, because they're not good for the economy. Because the thing is, if a monopoly becomes too power, uh, too powerful, and too like dominating, they have the ability to become lax and not provide like the best quality items because nobody's going to challenge them and challengers will get gobbled up like that. So I think um, this is an idea that Adam Smith had. He was um, an econom- economicus and economist. economist. Eco- Sorry, economist. sometimes English eludes me. He was an economist and he had the idea of laissez-faire economic- economics, which basically means let it be because supply and demand will like kind of sort out the best market prices and stuff. But with a monopoly, that whole idea just gets thrown out the window. One company is is free to do whatever they want because it is so extremely difficult for a small entrepreneur, entrepreneur college guy to 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 challenge this multi billion dollar um, organization. I have a hard time fully agreeing with that. Um, just really explain, explain. Monop- I believe monop- monopolies are good at their job. They make money. That's what they do. But um, I believe it'll natural. I I truthfully believe that naturally it'll want to improve upon their product. So let's say Uber. Let's say there's like a competitor for Google, Uber. Uh, what, what do you want to call him? Google. Yes, let's let, let's call him Google. Uh, okay, so Google uh, wants to sell. Um, they, they come up with some amazing idea. Uh-huh. And um, what? And Uber. Uber is like, whoa, this is great. This is going to work out really well. Let's buy the company. And are we assuming that Uber currently has a monopoly? We're assuming that Uber has a monopoly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still innovation being made. And, well, yeah, you need the smaller companies. But uh, And every once in a while, I do s- truthfully believe that, you know, a company should be dividing divided up. But it's not always the like first thing you go for like i think um you divide up rockefeller you divide up his giant oil control mm-hmm. but i think uber still has some growing room um oh yeah definitely and i th- and i think um these other smaller companies they'll just absorb the idea like uh facebook did with instagram and all that other stuff Snapchat, yeah but I still have to disagree with you there because the thing is, if they have the comp, if they have a monopoly, right? Let's say, um, okay, Google has pretty essentially a monopoly on a search engine, right? Has monopoly. That's that's the default search engine. Nobody uses Bing unless you're insane. But um, Google has a monopoly on a search engine. Now let's let's assume that Google continues its path and becomes even more powerful. Now, yes, they eventually. Actually, no. Google's a bad example. Let's let's just assume any monopoly, right? If they eventually become a massive monopoly, there's there are absolutely no challenges in the market. They could the the big wigs, the CEOs, they could just take all the profits for themselves. They could pocket the profits, and instead of innovating, instead of spending the costly amount of money required to innovate, they could just use that money to absorb other absorb other companies and just profit the rest of the pockets. No, pocket the rest of the profits. They have no incentive to um. They have no incentive to improve on their products because the public can't turn away from them. That they're the only reason, the only reasonable um, 
product on the market. So, so the public has no choice to con- but to continue to keep buying, and all the all these challengers are getting snapped up like that. So, so what happens then? But the competitor will snap up the. Whilst the companies are being snapped up, they'll still take the new ideas. They're not just going to be like, all right, we've snapped this up, back to business. They're going to take the new ideas and improve upon them. But it costs money to develop those new ideas. And if there's no need to to spend that money to develop those ideas, because right now, Apple has to continue to keep on developing. Because, yes, they have a, a certain monopoly, but they're still constantly being challenged by Samsung and Android companies. So they still have a desire, a push to uh, keep on innovating. But, um, but let's say Samsung was not a thing, then then they could stagnate. They could just instead put their efforts into mergers and acquisitions. But and that's when the new companies do get made. You know, when when it stagnates, that's when the next company comes out. The companies are made. It uh, disruptions made by the packaging and unpackaging of goods and services. So. If you've put, if you've put together the perfect product, of course you're going to create a monopoly and no one's going to leave. But if there's a better product to be made, I truly believe someone will make it. You know what? Actually, you're you know what? You're right. I have to kind of agree with you because if you look at Sears, for example, they used to be such a large company They had one of the tallest towers in the world, and now they're just stores are constantly being closed down. So. Yeah, I I guess I do agree with you in some sense. But um and that also there's um another company, Five Guys. It's a restaurant company you guys probably know. Oh yeah, um, Five Guys. I love that spot. So good. Love Five uh, Guys. This wasn't an insane business tactic or anything. It was just something I've I thought was interesting. So apparently when the founder of Five Guys first opened, he opened his first restaurant in like this really small location somewhere like it's off the beaten path and basically when he because he didn't because he had a decent amount of money but he didn't want to put in money to something that was doomed to fail so he um made the restaurant off the beaten path and then when he saw a large amount of people coming in and buying he realized that oh it's not just because it's a convenient spot people actually like my food i have something unique here so then he really funneled in the money and made it into the massive chain we know today but um i just thought that was a kind of cool interesting tactic that's a little less callous and cunning and cruel and ruthless but it, it still just shows kind of some business ingenuity yeah, um, I'm so sorry for the dog in the background, but um, yeah, um, it, you know, you gotta start small. You know, it's it. I mean, I think there's a lot of wholesome stories in business and in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you know the stories of, I mean, hell, the dude. I went to a party last night. Um, with some of the with not quite billionaires, but getting pretty close, you know, uh, there's a point where it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm, definitely. They're well enough. They're wealthy. We don't need to talk. Like they've they got money. are, they have more than money than you need to live. Let's more money than you need to live more money than you need to want. Um, yes. But I, I went to this party and the dude who's hosting the party, um, used to sleep on my dad's couch when he was in college because he had no money. Oh, huh. he, and he's hosting it? And he's hosting this party in a house that uh, 
took uh, something like $14 million to make. Uh, um, and, you know, like... How many couches in that house? That, that, that would just be funny to count them. That, that just... uh, I didn't get to explore the entire house, though I have on a previous occasion. But, um, yeah, they changed out all the furniture to make it all themed to the party. I've got some interesting photos I'll share with you after. Of like they brought a live snake. It was a crazy party, um, like dancers every. It, it, yeah, it was yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, but um, you know, uh, these little businesses they start. They all have, well, these big businesses all have to start somewhere. Um, it's still there's millionaires are still people after all. Mm-hmm, definitely, they 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 um generally have a different perspective on life than the rest of us peasants but yeah they, they at a certain level they are still have a human humanitarian side to them yeah um but it it's not like being a billionaire doesn't automatically make you an evil person even if some evil things are done whilst you are a billionaire it's not yeah because i mean the communist because Although I do believe there's some truth to that because nice guys don't necessarily end up being billionaires because you have to have some of that um, ingenuity and kind of ruthlessness in you. But yeah, I agree. Not all um, billionaires or millionaires are bad people because they're, they're, they're just people at, at the bottom of it. They're just people. Yeah, in, in the end, they're people who are way smarter than you and me who just want to make money. And that's, you know, that's acceptable, you know? How you want to live it. If, if you want to spend your life volunteering and donating, or if you want to spend your life becoming richer, go for it. It's, it's but how there's you no reason it. you can't do both. I mean, it's just... Yes. Yes, I would know, because I'm, I'm a multi-billionaire, and I'm a Boy Scout, so I would know, yeah. Out. Yeah, I, I can hook you up with, um, the, with meeting the Apple CEO later. And you guys are listening. Um, everybody who's listening right now actually gets free AirPods. So, oh sweet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I'm just straight up. I could use some AirPods. No, William, I'm just gonna straight up give you like Apple shares. Oh sweet. That's all I needed. So, you know, this was um. What we'll I call it a Christmas to... present. Yes, that's that's the perfect <laughs> Christmas present. If any of you listeners really want to get us something nice, don't don't get us like chocolate. Get us Apple shares, Tesla stocks. Don't don't be, don't be um. Don't be shy. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't be a frugal. Alright, so this is um, what I actually wanted to discuss. Why junk food tastes so good. Now, it's, this is a part um, article by Huffington Post. And I think one of, the, um, one of my favorite moments is I was doing Model Congress um, as part of my school event. And one of the, um, one of the speakers, I, I believe she was citing, she, she meant to cite um, Huffington Post, but instead she, she said Hufflepuff. That, that, that made my she day. She cited Hufflepuff. Yeah, yeah. The, so, the uh, unit, yeah. <laughs> so that, uh, that was pretty funny, but um, it's a good news source. And they, they, they talked about how junk food tastes so good. And they, they cited the reason being this primitive being inside ourselves, like in our consciousness, that craves fat, salt, and like fat, salt, and sugar. Now, those three things... Um, for, for the longest time as humanity in general have not been available to us. Maybe in recent years, maybe 500 years prior, they have been more commonly available with, um, with sugar cane plantations in the South Americas and all of that. They have become more commonly available, but 
that's only a fraction of the time humanity has been around for the longest time salt sugar and um salt sugar and fats none of those three things were available and in moderation they are required for healthy body function but now our brain hasn't quite caught up to our industrialization and we still don't recognize yet that it's common and we don't need to like it so much in a sense and um brain hasn't quite caught up yet so i think basically that's um that's the desire because uh I just thought that was quite interesting. Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> um, it, it what's interesting is uh how the it ah uh, uh, shoot oh, what was I gonna say? It's interesting how uh the brain tr- tricks itself into liking things that you know. Mm-hmm. It, Definitely, it, it's got a very it, it tricks its like when. I mean, we saw this in um, science class, but um, when the brain um, gets really, really hungry, um, it it has a set of motions that it goes through to kind of preserve our bodies in a sense. Yeah, or truthfully, even eat itself. It yes, that those are the extreme cases, but uh, but s- still fascinating. Um, yeah, because um, that's like some researchers say that's the appetite of um, salt. It comes from, and and uh, we've mentioned this before, the story of tantalus, where it's the food kind of tantalizes us because it's also kind of fats, oils, and sugars. Those have become the, the forbidden fruits of our society because, yes, they are readily available, but it's, it's simply up to us to prevent ourselves from getting it because I guarantee you, most people, the average person in the United States, if they wanted to, they could get up right now and go get a bag of chips or go get a candy bar. And a couple times a day, they have a craving for it. And the only time that stops them is their is their um, self-motivation or their ability to stop. Because um, the way that it's so red- readily available, it's, con- it's constantly tantalizing us. And I've talked about... Um, the story of Tantalus on this podcast before, but for those of you who haven't heard about the story of Tantalus, it's um, an ancient Greek or Roman, I'm not sure, story, and it's really interesting. So back in the ancient times when the gods used to dine with the kings, there was a king named Tantalus, and he was a really pious man, he was a really good man, and he invited Zeus to a feast and sat with him and chatted with him, and Zeus liked Tantalus so much he um, shared some secrets of the gods with him. But Tantalus, his one flaw, he would, he would talk quite a bit. So he ended up spilling the beans. And um, he spilled the beans. And that eventually led to him going down to hell. And there was a punishment, uh, punishment for that. He was given a horrible punishment. And he was chained in the middle of a sparkling little lake when... Um, when uh, he was in the he was chained in the middle of a sparkling little lake where the water like came up to his lips and every time he tried to take a drink of the water the water would kind of just dip below and he was right above um, a fruit tree and every time he reached for the fruits the breeze would sway the trees away so he was just constantly living in this purgatory state where where the food was quite near him but just not near enough and that's where we get um the word tantalizing i believe so I just thought it was a fascinating story. 
It's a fascinating uh, the idea that everything it, it can all be just out of reach um, is a scary idea, you know. Um, yeah. I, I suppose it's all made. I mean, truthfully, it's made to scare you, but a little, just a little. Like it's it's an interesting story, though. I'm imagining all the poor Greek and Roman kids that had to listen to this instead of a normal bedtime story. But uh, yeah, um, I would prefer Red Riding Hood if if, if I'm being honest. I would. Um, I mean, that that has its own scares in itself, but I think the word tantalizing, the story itself, brings up so many good questions. And like, not to sound too pretentious here, I do think it's it's a story that kind of mimics. And I can't believe I'm saying this: the human condition, because there's always these things that hum- humanity um, that that drive people. And in so many job interviews, the primary question is, what drives you? What motivates you? And, and going back to our primitive self that, that still lives inside of our bodies, I think what, what, what drives us is simply survival. Survival and the ability to thrive. Because, I mean, because why, why, why do you think um, it's... Because... Um, being rich now while there are um there's mo money mo problems but also being rich inevitably just uh generally means healthier you can afford better health care you can afford healthier foods you can afford all these uh, yogi tonic things oh my god don't even get me started on that but it, it and and being wealthy gives you the ability to thrive in life and not just get by you can enjoy yourself you can have a better standard of living and that's that's what we're reaching for. If if Tantalus was an average person in the average world, that's what he's reaching for. Now, obviously, we have these exceptions of these oh so generous, so noble people who 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 don't do it for money or wealth or power or fame. But I mean, I mean, do you agree? Do you do you think that's um, the human condition? Um. Yeah, I think everyone wants to strive for something better. Um. Every. Like, I mean, there's like the few exceptions but like if you were given the secrets to life itself the secrets of the gods or whatever you'd probably share them with friends or family you don't want to like it's yeah yeah of course he spilled mm-hmm. like so, i mean secret of the gods i mean you're just not gonna like keep that to yourself i mean i yeah, would what kind <laughs> of a jerk like he'd be a jerk if he kept it to himself this is what I do. This is what I do. So I, I do one of those Congress, like, you know, all those like real estate, like, like all those like real estate conventions, you know, all that stuff where like you buy a ticket and then like they tell you the secrets of their trade. I would do that, but I would like advertise it to like billionaires and stuff like that guy's, that guy's party you went to. I would advertise it to him, right? People like that. I'd say million bucks a pop. And I would go there, and then I would spill the secrets, but I would do them, like, little by little. So, like, I could stretch that on for, like, ten years. And the thing is, the gods can't get mad, because, like, I spilled such little at a time. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, she's not going to do it again, right? But you still spilled it. You see, let's imagine the secret to the god, like, secret god power thing. Was, immort- um, immortality. Let's just assume it's something like yes. that. Like, yeah. all right, so if you eat five Brussels sprouts and then chug Red Bull, you're fine. Yeah. Oh, actually, you know, um, you really shouldn't have said that on the podcast because I thought that was private between us, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I guess that's our friendship. That's just the, over, daily, but, the daily okay. diet. Um, but um, it, let's assume that this is like the secret. Um, wouldn't you be a jerk if you didn't share it? Okay, so no, you, I, I think you, I think you'd be absolutely fine. It, it's up to you whether you share it. I mean, if 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 that's that's right back to the billionaire. If 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 you're granted with this idea, if you're gifted with this idea, that you may be an atheist, you may be a believer, you may think that God gave you this idea, you may think it was because of your upbringing. You still got that money, but if you keep that money, are you a jerk for keeping that money? No, same with the idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's. It doesn't matter how you procure, procured it; it's still yours. Um, and I mean, okay, perhaps you're not supposed to spill the secret of the Holy yeah, One or whatever. Generally, generally, yes, generally speaking. And yeah. if he told you not to do it, I mean, it'd just be smart not to do it. But um, mm-hmm, definitely. Now, while we're on the subject of immortality, um, I know I'm kind of late when I say this. But if any of you guys are listening have not watched um, Disney's Jungle Cruise, oh my god, watch it. It's actually such a good movie. I know it's like kind of like off track, but it's it's a really good movie. It deals with immortality and like mythical stuff. Trust me, watch it. Yeah, I mean, oh, I'll take your word for it. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, you better, because otherwise um, you're already on thin ice after the um, Red Bull. Oh, after, but... after spilling the secrets to immortality? Yeah. So... Was there anything else you wanted to discuss? I think we covered what we wanted to cover pretty well. I think we got a shorter episode today, but I think we made up for it with the juicy content, and we gave you the secret to immortality. So if you're not satisfied, then I mean... Oh, yeah, secret to immortality. That was all... So, five Brussels sprouts a day, chug a can of Red Bull. But we and... didn't talk about the other secret. Oh, God, yes. I, William, I suppose William, we'll have to spill a, it a, next a, time. A, a, a. Yeah, you better, you better be quiet. Um, oh, snap. Yeah, but I just uh, think that being a billionaire, I mean, it, it, it's up to you. If, if you want to um, if you, if you spend your money how you want it, go ahead for that. 